What's going on, everybody? I'm Pastor Josh, and you are listening to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. Um, This intro is probably going to be kind of short this week. Um, I don't even know when I'm going to get this uploaded, if this is going to get up today. Um, It was supposed to be up two days ago, and I'm just now recording an intro for it. Um, Just full transparency, I've been going through a little bit of something uh, the last several days. Uh, I was all set on Tuesday to get this episode up and going for Wednesday, which would have been the 1st, which would have been November 1st. uh, but some stuff has been going on that kind of came to a head on Tuesday, and um, it's just it's work stuff. Um, but it's um, it's triggered some things. I don't like to use the word triggered because it sounds kind of stupid, but it's uh, it's kind of brought up some things that I have dealt with for a very long time. Um, that have just kind of come on full steam ahead all at once. Um, anybody out there that's is or has dealt with depression or anxiety, um, and even those that haven't, I just I want you to know that it's a real thing. Um, it's a very difficult thing to deal with. Um, it can be scary at times, and uh, if you are dealing with that, you're not alone. I want you to know that. Um, I'm trusting in God, um, regardless of how often the enemy wants to whisper in my ear that I'm not. Um, I, I believe that this, this experience, um, this battle that I'm kind of facing right now is going to, I know it's going to make me a stronger person, a stronger man, husband, dad, uh, but most importantly, it's going to make me a stronger Christian, a better follower of Christ. Um, It's it's just one of those things I didn't see coming, and uh, I should have seen it coming. I think deep down I knew it was coming. I just kind of buried it and ignored it and uh, just kind of pretended that it never would happen, even though I knew it would. But um, I know to a lot of people it'll just, oh, you know, just work stuff. It's not that big a deal, and it's not even the work stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm not even that concerned about the work stuff. Um, it's just... everything that's going on, the enemy has used this as a big time opportunity to attack and, uh, he's not going to win. We fight from victory. We don't fight for victory. And so I know that God has, uh, um, he's got, he's got me under control. And I think that's the big thing is I need to surrender that control to him. Um, I know there's certain areas of my life where I have total faith and allow God to have complete control. And I know there are other areas that, um, well, now I know (laughs) that there are other areas that I have not done that and I need to do that. And so, um, I apologize for the delay on this episode, whether it comes out sometime over the weekend or if it's not till next week. Um, my wife's been incredible. Um, Allie, if you watch this, I want you to know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. you are incredible. You are amazing. You have helped me more in the last three or four days than I could ever have imagined anybody could possibly help anyone ever. And, uh, I just, I'm very thankful for you. Um, her and I are going to be doing a podcast together, hopefully very soon. 
Um, and it's going to be real. It's going to be, uh, intense at times. I'm sure. Um, she's walked through some things that have really helped her help a lot of others. And I never expected myself to be one of the ones that she would get to use her experiences to help. Um, but that's exactly what's happening right now. And, uh, I know that there are things that I've got to do, change some habits, uh, change some health related things. Um, I've got a lot of changes to make. That's not going to be easy. It's a lot of, it's going to be very, very difficult for me. Um, I'm a creature of habit and, uh, I like to do things a certain way and it's typically the easy way. And, um, I'm going to have to do a lot of things the not so easy way here coming up soon and, uh, make a lot of changes in my own life. And so, um, just pray for me if you guys would, um, as I continue to pray for everybody that watches and listens to this. Uh, I, like I said, I don't know when this is going to go up. I, I would like to think that I'm going to be, um, able to get it edited and uploaded here, uh, on Friday. It's 10:30 Friday morning when I record this. Um, I don't know, honestly. Um, I've got a lot of, uh, conflicting thoughts in my mind on the future of the podcast. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult to get things done. One of the changes at work is I will no longer have Fridays off. I'll have to be working uh, Monday through Friday for the foreseeable future and, uh, much further away from home, further away from my family, further away from my kids' school. And, uh, I don't, I'll be getting home, uh, later than usual. And so time with my family, weekends, evenings, um, I've got to make sure that they are provided for financially and emotionally and spiritually and mentally and physically. And that is my number one ministry. Uh, and so as I, as I continue to battle everything that's going on in my life and battle these attacks and these, uh, these spirits that just need to go away in Jesus name, um, as I continue to battle these things and figure out this new schedule, this new routine, and make some of these changes. Um, it may be an every other week thing, maybe once a month. Uh, I would like to think that I'll have the ability to keep doing it weekly. Um, but I just, I want you guys to know that that might not be the case, at least for the near future. Um, I don't know how long, I don't know how long this battle's going to last. I would like to think it won't be that long. Um, I really pray that I'm strong enough and will lean on the Lord always to where I can get through this, uh, quickly and then be able to, uh, figure out scheduling and everything else. My wife's incredible. And she's already told me, uh, what to do. Um, it's just extra time away from my family is going to be difficult enough. Plus having to find extra time away from my family to do this, um, would be, um, could make things troublesome for me. Uh, she's a rock star. She's fully supportive of everything that I do. Work-wise, ministry-wise, as I come here to record on whatever day it's going to be now, um, as, I, as, as I take time to edit this stuff, I, I mean, I haven't posted a short or a reel in a couple of weeks because I've been in a bit of a funk and then everything uh, happening now has just been kind of trying to push me further down and um, I, I, hope I, can, I hope I get back to recording and editing those soon and getting those posted and uploaded on a regular basis. Um, so... I, uh, I appreciate all of you for continuing to watch and listen. Um, I hope you know that 
you are loved, that you are prayed for, that you are thought about regularly, uh, that you are cared for, and that you're not alone. Um, I really, I know that God is going to use everything that's going on right now in my particular life for good, like Romans 8.28 tells us. I know it's going to make me better in all areas. It's going to make me stronger. My relationship with him is going to be deeper as a result. And um, I, I believe that this podcast will be better as a result. Um, my marriage will be better as a result. My family will be better as a result. My ministry uh, here online and uh, at our local church will be better as a result. Um, I just, I'm ready to see the other side, but I know I've got to walk I've got to walk through the valley to get to the other side. Um, and so hopefully I can run through the valley and get it, uh, get through it quickly. But, um, I appreciate all of you very much. Um, I'm saying, um, a lot more in this episode than I ever have before. Uh, this episode is, uh, titled, but I'm not good at it. And I, uh, I hope that this episode will help you remove some of the excuses in your life as far in regards to uh, sharing the gospel, to evangelizing, proclaiming the truth, sharing your faith, sharing your testimony with others. Um, We have a lot of excuses as individuals and as the body of Christ in 2023, and especially in Western culture, the Western church, the American church. uh, We have a lot of excuses as to whose job it's supposed to be, why we can or can't do it. And, um, I think it's time that we get rid of those excuses. And that's what this episode is all about. Um, so thank you. If you listened to all that, thank you for listening to me kind of uh, be transparent and vulnerable for just a few minutes. Um, I don't ever want to come on here and just put a fake smile on and uh, manipulate you or trick you into thinking that um, the Christian life is going to be perfect and painless and smooth sailing and everything else. Um even those of us that feel called to share the gospel, to preach, um, to teach his word are susceptible to these things, to, to attacks, um, to battles. And I, it, it doesn't do anybody any good if I don't, uh, be honest about that and show the real, uh, the reality of the situation as well. And so, uh, I think I appreciate your prayers. Um, I hope that you continue to walk through me with this and see, what God has done through it and what happens on the other side. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. So I thank you guys. I appreciate everything that you have done for me by watching, listening and liking and subscribing and sharing and everything. Um, and I hope that God will continue to do something for you through this platform. So, uh, with that being said, here is episode 50 of the preach that podcast. I think that, uh, that song never leave is, a little bit prophetic here this morning. I believe there was victory, victory won here during the prayer time, but I think there's going to be victory throughout the rest of the service as well. So that's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm praying. I uh, Last week, Pastor Tim preached about black dots and the, the things that we focus on when there's so much, so much other, so many other things that we should be focused on. And I want to talk about some of the stuff that we should be focused on this week to kind of a, a little bit of a piggyback on Pastor Tim's message. I'm not sure why or exactly the for sure avenue or method or uh, scale to which this will take place in my life. But I feel that a big part of what God has anointed me to do and called me to do, that I think the term next-gen pastor is fitting for my role here at the church, but also kind of in the grand scheme of my life, I feel I have such a burden to minister to the next generation of Christians that are, that are coming to faith. And that's not necessarily just young people, the next generation that, that in this, 
exciting time that we find ourselves in in church history and we see people come to the faith. I feel such a burden to minister to those people, to point them to truth, to point to a correction in some areas, encouragement in some areas, but I just have this this burden in my heart that I just can't get past for that next generation of, of believers that are coming into the body of Christ right before our very eyes right now and until Christ takes the church out of the world, as long as the church is here, I feel a burden to minister to and to point to those things. That doesn't mean that this message or any of my messages won't apply to you if you're not, if you are a part of the former generation or a current generation, but I feel that this is something, this message titled, but I'm not good at it, is something that we can all grab a hold of, but I especially see that as in the, the next generation that's coming in. And uh, I feel an urgency for the church to focus on the way that Christ established the church. The church was called the way at the beginning. I feel like that is to be our focus now in this time as if the, if the things that are happening and leading up to the, the rapture and everything that's to come that we read about in scripture, if it says that it's going to be like the days of Noah, I mean, it's going to go revert back to the way that it was before. I think the church should probably focus on the way that the church was before to prepare for some of these things coming and not necessarily the methods there are methods that have been used for thousands of years that are still effective, and there are methods that, quite frankly, are just outdated in 2023. What does not change and what is not outdated is the message. The method in which we communicate the gospel to people can change. The method in which you use to communicate the gospel is going to change depending on who you're talking to. So there are some people that need to hear the fact that they are a sinner in need of a savior, that they have they have lived through and, and exemplified transgressions against a holy and perfect eternal God and that there is an eternal punishment for sinning against an eternal God. There are other people that need to hear that the God that created the universe loves them so much that he became wrapped in human flesh and came to this earth to die for them. And through that, they will understand, wait a minute, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I have sinned against a holy and eternal God and my punishment is eternal unless I accept this free gift of grace. The same message, but two totally different methods to get to that message. And there are a plethora of other methods that we can use. There are people that will hear about the gospel because their favorite celebrity or athlete gives the glory to God after they won a championship or something like that. And there are other people that will never even watch television a day in their life. And they will only hear about it because their parents or their siblings or their coworkers shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them. The method can change as long as your heart and your mind are in alignment with that of the Lord and you're preaching the right message, your methods will be effective. It's hard to be aligned with the will of God and use the wrong method because when you're walking in the spirit and you're walking with the Lord, he's going to tell you what method to use with what person he's brought into your life. The method can change, but the message does not change. Being saved by grace through faith does not change. No matter who wants to say, no matter what great theologian, what, what celebrity wants to come along, what very eloquent speaker wants to come along and say anything other than we are saved by faith in Christ through the grace that he has given us, it's wrong. I don't care what method they use. If the message is wrong, it's all wrong. A little bit of wrong is all wrong. The fact that Jesus Christ was God incarnate. He wasn't just a good man or a good prophet. The fact that he was God in the flesh will never change. That message stays the same. The method in which we communicate it to other people will. 
There will be some people that believe that he was a real person, but he was just a good person. And your method to them is going to be completely different to somebody that says he never existed in the first place or that was all just a scam. That somehow the disciples managed to manufacture thousands upon thousands of manuscripts of the early, of early scriptures and weave their, uh, their manipulation all through all of it and somehow managed to multiply that and carry it on for thousands of years. I mean, that in and of itself just sounds ludicrous, but there's people that believe it. The method may change, but the message is the same. The message is we have got to be effective Effective. That's the key word here. We have to be effective at preaching the gospel in 2023. We have to be effective at communicating the truth of God's word. I preached a message back, and I only remember it because it was November of 2020, and we all remember 2020. And the, the church that we were at at the time, there was several people within the church that had COVID, and so we said, you know what, we're going to go online for a week. They said, Josh, can you deliver the message, record it and everything, and put it online for that week? I said, sure, no problem. That's the only reason I remember it, because it kind of sticks out in my mind. It was called, I'm Not Good at Prayer. And I broke down the Lord's Prayer and how it's, how it's a template for us, how we can and should pray whenever we're in our prayer time with the Lord. And that's not what this is about, but it's a very similar message, because I'm not good at it seems to be the church's favorite excuse to get out of whatever it is God has called us to do. Well, we need you to work with the kids. I'm just not good with kids. We, we could really use somebody to run the, I'm, not, I'm just not good with technology. Every, whatever the ministry area is, whatever the, the church's need is, hey, we need, we need this done. We need, I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. And it's, oh, okay, never mind. We'll find somebody else. And then half the time we don't. We just do it ourselves. Or whoever it is that needs the help just does the job of four people because everyone else just isn't good at it. And listen, there are things that I'm not good at. That's not what I'm saying. The, the, the ministries, when the, if you're not good with kids, we're not going to ask you to work with the kids. If you're mean, we're not going to ask you to work with the kids. We're going to pray that God will transform your heart and then we'll revisit the topic maybe. But when it comes to the sharing of the gospel, I'm not good at it is no longer an adequate excuse for anyone. The enemy will tell you that you're not good at it because he wants you to think that you're not good at it. He wants you to believe that you're not good at it because if he can make you believe that you're not good at the one thing that God put us all here to do, what has, God, or what has the enemy tried to do for all of human history? From the foundations of the earth, he has gone after that seed from Genesis to where we are now. He's gone after the firstborn sons, He's gone after the, the small children. He, he, he tried so hard to disrupt the lineage of Jesus so that way the prophecies could not be fulfilled. And that seed today is the gospel. He's trying to destroy our ability and our confidence in, in conveying the gospel to other people so he can try to stop it. There, there's an estimated 3,000 or 4,000 religions in the world today. We'll say 3,000 for the sake of argument. There are 2,999 2 religions that are not only not persecuted, they are celebrated and protected and pushed along the world. And there, are, there is one that is persecuted, that is attacked, that is constantly trying to be undermined by whatever person or group of people there is out there. That can't be coincidence that thousands upon thousands upon thousands of religions are, are celebrated and protected. And you, you can't say that's offensive to this group but the Christians can just deal with it. That's not a coincidence. 
That's the enemy attacking that seed. Pastor Tim says all the time the gospel is the plumb line. The gospel is the seed from which the church was born. It's the seed from which we all find eternity in heaven. Without the gospel, we are all bound for hell. And that's exactly where Satan wants every single person. And if he can't, couldn't get to you in time and you've already accepted that, he wants to diminish your ability to share that with other people. That's his tactic in this world today. But the enemy knows the truth. Listen, the enemy knows scripture. We know, we know that, right? The enemy knows the word of God. We wonder why we feel so defeated in our churches sometimes. Well, sometimes the enemy knows the word of God better than the people that are supposed to know the word of God. And he can twist it and manipulate it and convince us of other things. He knows that Romans chapter 10 is true. And Romans 10, 14 through 17, it says, how then will they call on him in, in him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed that he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word that is alive and active. God, I ask that you would use your word, not my words, not any man-made words, Lord, but the words that came straight from you through the Holy Spirit. May your word speak to our spirits here this morning, transform our lives, God. Would only the things that you would have heard be heard here this morning, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Like every other thing that he penned in, in the New Testament, Paul was very eloquent whenever he wrote this. He explained it. He broke it down perfectly. I've said it a million times. I'm a very practical, simple guy. I like A, B, C, D. I like steps one, two, and three. I can follow along. It makes sense. And that's exactly what he gave us here. How can anyone call on the Lord if they haven't believed? And how can they believe if they haven't heard? There are people in our, every single one of us can think of one person in our life that does not believe, has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, and we also have not shared the good news of Jesus Christ with that person. We can all think of at least one person that we know is not a believer and that we ourselves have not shared the gospel with. Not condemnation, just reality. Many of us may have more than one. The only way that we can be effective for the kingdom of God is to preach the gospel. And here's something that I believe will help all of us and it will help dismantle part of this myth that I'm just not good at it. I wanna look at the definition of the word preach. If you Google it, there are three different layers of the definition of the word preach. The first one is to deliver a sermon or religious address to an assembled group of people, typically in a church. That's what I'm doing right now. That's one of the definitions of the word preach, but let's continue on to publicly proclaim or teach. Well, I'm, yes, I'm doing that right now, but I don't have to be right here with a microphone and the lights to do that. I can go into Sullivan and, and go to IGA and publicly proclaim or teach. I can do that at work. I can do that wherever I go. Let's look at the third one. To earnestly advocate a belief or course of action. I can do that wherever I go too. I don't have to be right here in this church with a microphone on my head to earnestly advocate my belief in Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. 
It's more than just standing up here. You don't have to be a pastor to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor to preach the gospel. All of us should be preaching the gospel everywhere we go. Every single person has been given the gift. If you've accepted the gift of salvation, you have that gift to give to someone else. It's our job to preach the gospel to everyone around us. By the very definition of the word, it's our responsibility for every single one of us. The last words that Jesus spoke when he was physically here on this earth point to that being true as well in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. Many of us are probably familiar with this passage, but we're going to go ahead and read it anyways. It says, Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. Did the disciples lose their salvation whenever Jesus rebuked them? No. He's going to correct you. He's going to rebuke you. When you mess it up, he's going to lead you back to the right path, the right words, the right method, the right message. If he did it with the people that were physically walking with him, looking him in the eye, he's going to do it with us. That's not condemnation. It's a rebuke. It's a correction. It's teaching. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. You want to get the serpents real quick? <laughs> go into all the, I don't know, if I, asked, I asked Al if she wanted to go get the serpents real quick. It was just a joke. It's okay. We're not going to bring the snakes out. Don't worry. It says, go into all the world and proclaim what? To who? To proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I forget, was it us talking about the six degrees of separation? No, it was, I was talking to people at work about it. I was talking to, to Brittany and Jason and Darren about it at work. Had the whole six degrees of separation where you can go, basically, I know this person that knows this person that knows this person, and you can go six layers, and then you can connect to anybody in the world. If you can share the gospel with the one person that you know, and then they can then share it with one person that they know, and then and you continue to multiply that, you can reach the ends of the earth with the gospel without even leaving your own county. Now, if God calls you to leave your county or your state or your country and to go into the actual world and spread the gospel, you better do it. But we don't have to get on an airplane and fly for hours upon hours. Pastor Tim's going to. That's what God has called him and anointed him to do. We're going to talk about some of that a little bit later. I'm not a huge fan of small areas, so I'm probably not going to get on a plane and go do it, but I'm going to do it here. I'm going to do it on the internet. I can reach thousands of people in seconds on the internet. That may not be your gifting either. But if you can share the gospel with one person and another person and another person, and they can do the same thing, we can reach the ends of the world with the truth of the love of Christ. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus said something else after that. He said that when you go into the world and preach the gospel, that there will be the casting out of demons. There will be new tongues spoken. You can drink deadly poison with no harm. You can pick up serpents. We don't have the serpents, guys. It's okay. You can pick up the serpents and not be struck. You can heal the sick. 
What does all of that mean? Why, why does that accompany the gospel? What's the point? Aside from being a testimony to those, healing them, showing the power of God, but I want to share something else with you because it's more than just that. God doesn't just heal somebody to make them better, to convince them to believe in him. It's deeper than what it appears to many people. Because I can tell you one thing, when I've laid hands on my own children or complete strangers or somewhere in the middle, and I've seen that my back feels better. Dad, my headache went away. Dad, I can't find that humongous bump that was on my head when I fell and bashed my head at, it was at Kinley's party or Keller's party. Whenever, Peter, that's a true story. Peter fell, we were at Ariel and Dylan's house for a birthday party and he fell and whacked his head on the concrete, had a big old goose egg on his head. I laid my hand on his head, I prayed for it and we could not find the huge knot that was there an hour earlier. It's real. The power of God is real. The Holy Spirit in us will do these signs, these wonders, these miracles through us if we let him. But I can tell you one thing. I was way more excited about it than Peter was. No condemnation on Peter. He was amazed. There have been times when I've looked in the eyes of a person and their eyes have changed and it was no longer the person talking to me, but it was whatever evil was living in them. And I tell you what, if you go eye to eye with an evil spirit, boldly with the power of the Holy Spirit within you and you tell it what to do and where to go and it has to listen to you, there is no better feeling on on the face of this earth than walking in the power that God has given us. That did more for me than it did for them and they got set free. It's also for us, it builds our faith. It encourages us to continue to go into the world and preach the gospel. It's more than what it seems, but it's also to remind you that when you go into the world to preach the gospel, you're never alone. We just sang the song that Jesus will never leave us. The Holy Spirit, when you accept that gift and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, he will go with you wherever you go. That is what empowers the gospel preaching in the first place. I cannot speak into someone's life and change their heart, then become a new creation and their spirit respond to the Holy Spirit on my own. Only the Holy Spirit in me can do that. That is what these signs and these wonders, these miracles are all about. Now, I know that somebody, and I don't know if it was somebody in first service, this service, watching online, whenever this goes up later, somebody is still like, yeah, but I'm still not good at it. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not really vibing with it too much here. I'm not feeling it. And I don't know why. And listen, I'm not judging you because I promise you, I will not judge anybody if you're thinking that right now because I've been there. The first time that I ever went to New Jersey to see Ali's family, she was pregnant with Peter. It was like six months or seven months after we got married and we were in Walmart and there was a lady that was in a wheelchair that worked in like the clothing section that the Lord told me to go and speak with. He said, go tell her about my love. She needs to hear that I love her. And so I went and I tried on clothes in that dressing room for 45 minutes because I was trying to get out of telling her about Jesus. I didn't want to do it. Like, God, there's other, there's got to be at least one other Christian in this Walmart that you can send over here. That just, I'm not good at this stuff. I can't do it. That's not my thing, Lord. And after I argued with her for about 45 minutes, I finally went and I spoke with her and she heard about the love of Christ. Not because of me. If it was because of me, I would have been hightailing it out of there. I memorized roads pretty quick. I would have boom. We would have been back to me, mom, and B-pop's house like that. But I listened. But why why did I hesitate? Why, why, was I, why was I almost running from what God had told me to do? 
now whenever God tells me to do something, I'm not perfect. It's not 100% of the time, but I'm like, oh yeah. Let's do, like, I, get, I start to get excited. I start to get kind of amplified. I start sweating like I am right now. You know, I, just, I get a little bit nervous, but it's like a good excited nervous. But then it was a fearful nervous. I was afraid. I was afraid of what she might think or what she might say. Or I, I always used to have this fear. Elizabeth shared with me, she had the, uh, the same thoughts many times, but I always had this fear that if I shared the gospel with somebody and told them about Jesus and, and, and prayed with them, that I would mess something up and that, that on some kind of a technicality, they wouldn't actually get saved. And then I've got to answer for that whenever I stand before Christ. I, I, there was just this irrational fear in my mind that I was going to mess something up and it wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to do it right. It's fear. We're not actually not good at it. We're afraid of it. We're afraid of the judgment or the, the comments or the way that we might look or the way that people might think about us. Because the enemy wants to, you to be afraid of sharing the one thing that everybody needs. That seed of the gospel. He wants you wrapped up in fear so that you won't share it. Or you'll hesitate just long enough for that person that God told you to share it with will go on down and leave the store or go on down the street or you'll never see them again. There's no greater feeling like I talked about than, than walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater regret than seeing someone walk away that you know you were supposed to share the gospel with and didn't. Don't put yourself through that. The fear, the anxiety that you feel before you do it is nothing compared to that feeling of regret. I can promise you that. I've been there more times than I would care to admit. Maybe this out of the book of Matthew will help with that fear just a little bit. I know it did me. Matthew chapter 10, verses 26 through 33. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will, be, that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell." Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more valuable than, my, than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my father who is in heaven." Now, if you've ever denied your father who is in heaven, Peter did that too, and he still made it. So don't hang up on that. If you do that tomorrow, don't hang up on that because there is forgiveness for everything. There is forgiveness for that. So if you are worried about that, if you've ever done that, if you're consumed by the fact that you've done that, you're consumed by that feeling of regret, don't let that be the thing that binds you up and keeps you from sharing the gospel moving forward. We've all heard that the Bible tells us 365 times, do not fear. And we've got three examples right there in verse 26, verse 28, and verse 31 in Matthew chapter 10. Three times where the words do not fear are directly associated with sharing the gospel. Three times within just a handful of verses that tell us do not be afraid when you preach the truth to other people. Do not be afraid of what they're going to think of you. Whatever you think they're going to think, they probably already think. So just share the gospel with them anyways. My suggestion of 
how to put this into practice and combat these things is stolen advice, and I stole it from Paul, so it's got to be pretty good. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I charge you in the presence of God and of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. That's step one. Preach the word. If you are preaching the word of God, the message cannot be wrong. If it's his word, we know it's true. You're preaching the truth when you preach the word. There are things, your testimony is powerful. We hear and read in Revelation that our testimonies are powerful. There's a time and a place for that, but it, preach the word. When you preach the gospel, preach the word. After you preach the word, you can expla- explain it by give, putting your, your own spin on it, explaining it in layman's terms or a way they can understand it, but preach the word. That's step one. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's step two. With patience and teaching. You're not going to preach the truth of the gospel and not receive negative feedback in return. We talked about that a little bit earlier. When you preach the truth, you will either receive hatred or displeasure or argumentativeness. You will receive something negative in return. Be patient. And then teach. Preach the gospel and explain why it's true. Preach the gospel and explain what it is, whatever their comeback is, whether they disagree with, with the deity of Christ, whether they disagree if he ever existed, whether they disagree with a specific doctrine in the Bible, whether they disagree with the Bible altogether. Be patient and hear what they have to say and then teach them in love. Preach and teach the truth with patience. Verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound, doc- sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Well, boy, if that doesn't sound familiar, I don't know what does. There are a lot of itchy ears out there and there's a lot of preachers that just want to sit up there and tickle them for you and make you feel good about yourself and tell you everything that you want to hear so that way you'll keep putting money in the plate. That way they can keep their job and keep the lights on and keep being famous on Instagram. I'd say it, but it's the truth. We combat that by preaching the word. Verse five says this, for you always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's the key right there. I mentioned that Pastor Tim will get on an airplane and fly to different countries and preach the gospel because just like Paul told Timothy, we are all to fulfill your ministry. That is part of Pastor Tim's ministry, so he's gonna do it. Working with, with young, I always used to avoid young people. I always used to say, well, I'm not, I'm not good at working with the youth because I didn't want to get pigeonholed as a youth pastor forever and get stuck and never get to do everything that I really wanted to do in ministry. There was a time in my life that I was immature and I said, well, I'm just not good at it to get out of doing it so I could do what I wanted to do. And when really whenever I got rid of the excuse and I started to step into areas of ministries that I said I wasn't good at to avoid have been some of the most fulfilling times in ministry in my life. Because I stepped into my ministry that includes many different areas. Fulfill your ministry. Allie comes up here and kills it every single week singing and leading us in worship. And I've seen her speak into the lives of women at work and church and public wherever, speaking to moms, speaking to 
all kinds of people, to young, young women. I've seen her speaking to all kinds of people and the light bulb just go off in their life. And it's never the same. They have this, this moment of clarity because she's fulfilling her ministry. It's not just one area. It's not just, the only way that you can get pigeonholed is if you pigeonhole yourself. If you walk in the spirit and fulfill your ministry, you will do exactly what God wants you to do and has called you to do and has created you to do. Wherever your ministry is, if it's in the nursery with the littlest kids or if it's in the adult Sunday school between services, whatever your ministry is, fulfill your ministry. It might be at work. It might be in school with your friends. Fulfill your ministry. You guys might not even know what it is yet. That's okay. Seek him and he will tell you what it is. I don't care that you're only 12, 13 years old. Or when you're 14 or 15 or 16, God has a plan and a purpose for you and he will use you if you let him. Fulfill your ministry. And that applies to all of us here. Whatever your ministry is, preach the gospel with patience and love and teach. And as Matthew chapter 10 told us, have no fear. There is no fear. That that told us right there, don't fear the ones that can destroy the body. Fear the one that can destroy the body and the soul. Have a fear of the Lord, a reverence, a respect for him, knowing his power, his authority over our lives. That's the only fear that should be in our vocabulary is the fear of the Lord. What can man do to me? Man can walk through those doors right now and point a gun to my head and end my life right now. Okay. That sounds selfish because I've got a wife and kids. I can't lose. What's he going to do? Send me to go be in the presence of God for eternity? Darn. I know that our earthly minds, that sounds horrible. It sounds selfish. But it's the truth. If we focus on the reality of the fact that no one can take anything from us that means more than what we've already been given, that's the key. That's the place we've got to get to when we preach the gospel. Take Stephen as, as an example. I told you last time I preached that I've been in the book of Acts a lot and just kind of falling in love with that book all over again. And the entire chapter seven of the book of Acts is devoted to Stephen's message to the people. I, I think it was 60 verses. I'm going to double check. I think there's 60 verses in chapter seven of Acts. Yes, 60 verses that are dedicated to Stephen speaking. They're dedicated to Stephen preaching the truth. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Moses. He talks about David. He talks about Solomon. He goes through a huge chunk of the history of Israel, the lineage of Israel, pointing out to the Israelites, the Pharisees, the religious people that were rejecting Christ as the Messiah, trying to show them how many times over and over and over throughout history they have rejected the messenger or the deliverer that God has sent for their people trying to open their eyes to see the fact that they're doing it all over again with Christ. He goes through example after example, speaking the truth. They know it's the truth because those are the scriptures that they would read and study and memorize and have to, they'd have to know all of it. They had such a great head knowledge of what those scriptures said. And he was, he was giving it to them verbatim and explaining step by step, preaching the truth. Sometimes the best way that we know that we're preaching the truth is when we receive hatred in return. 
It's just the sad reality of it. When you preach the truth of the gospel, you will receive negative feedback every time from somebody somewhere. If it's one-on-one, you may not receive it from them, but you may not even hear it. But somebody that here overhears you talking about like, Pastor Tim in Starbucks, oh, you can't be in here. You go somewhere and people are going to be rolling their eyes. You're going to see them walking through the back and you're going to be rolling out. Here's a crazy Christian out here talking again. You're going to receive some sort of negativity in return. Don't let that discourage you or make you fearful. That means you're doing something right. The truth of the gospel will always be met with negativity because the enemy doesn't want people to know the truth. I share the story of Stephen because even after he spoke truth, for our version, 60 verses of truth, but I don't know how long that speech, I'm not a fast reader, it took me a little while to get through chapter seven of Acts. It was a pretty long speech. There was a lot to it. And at the end of speaking truth, Stephen was stoned to death. There will be those that will come against you when you preach the truth. And yet Stephen stood there with no fear. They weren't just like lobbing some pea gravel at him. They had big stones that they were launching at him that were breaking bones, ripping flesh. And in the middle of all of that, he didn't cower and and scream out for the Lord to help. He didn't try to run away screaming in fear. He said, Father, do not hold this against them. Even in the midst of being brutally murdered, he was patient in the midst of his teaching. Oh, if we could get that as the body of Christ today, to preach the truth with no fear of repercussions, no fear of being jailed, no fear of being killed. There are some in the world that are that way with their faith in Christ. It's time that the whole church around the world and especially in America gets that way too. Sometimes, the sermons, and I'm not talking about me preaching, I'm talking about all of us preaching. We've already established that we should all be preaching the gospel. There are sometimes the best sermons are the ones that get that kind of feedback. My favorite post-sermon conversations are when Ryan comes up to me and starts to get after me for stepping on his toes. He'll come like, hey, well, you gotta take it easy, man. My toes really, you keep stepping on my toes like that. I Jokingly, obviously. Or when people come up and say, I needed to hear that. Not that was great. And I, and I told first service, it's one of the weird parts about, about preaching is people come up to you and you'll, they tell you that the message was greater, that they needed to hear that. And I want to say thank you. And I, and I want to say like, it was all God. But then if I feel like if I don't say thank you, I'm not like validating their, their, their praise to me for, for doing what God has called me to do, which I love what Elizabeth told me afterwards. Uh, I'm going to start doing exactly what she said. It was beautiful. But it's always been kind of a weird spot at least for a young pastor. I'm sure Pastor Tim and Pastor Greg are used to it by now. They got it all figured out. I'm not quite there yet. No glory to me because like I said earlier, I can't speak to your spirit. Only the Holy Spirit in me can. Only all I can do is just be obedient to him and allow him to speak through me. I'm just a vessel. That's why Pastor Tim and I and Pastor Greg, that's why we pray to empty me out or to only the words you'd have spoken because if I get in the middle of it, I'm gonna mess it up. But if I allow myself to be used by God, whatever method he tells me to use and whatever message he gives me is going to be perfect. But I'm, I'm, I'm not good at it. I don't know enough about the Bible. Learn more about the Bible. 
I don't know enough about creation to, to, defend, to defend the earth being created and not just coming in out of nothing. Learn more about creation. Tell people that the second law of thermodynamics says that the universe is ever expanding and if it's ever expanding, it had to have started from an expansion point. You'll sound real smart when you do that. Guess what? I didn't figure that out. Somebody else said it. I did some research like, oh, that's true. I learned it because I want to defend my faith better. I want to preach the gospel better. I want to be equipped so that way when somebody has a retort for me that I can share truth with them back. If you don't know and can't explain how God has always existed or why he's perfect and our sin against a perfect eternal God means that we should serve an eternal punishment, if you can't explain that, study it. Go to a pastor or an elder that understands it, that can teach you so you can teach others. Listen, I can tell you all about the football season that's going on. I can tell you who's in the World Series. I can tell you who the current champion for WWE and UFC and, and boxing and all these different things. I can tell you all about that kind of stuff. Worthless information that you, nobody should even have in their brain. I'm really good at that. And if I can spend the time to study and learn and understand those things and figure out a way to effectively communicate that to others so that they can do that, I should be able to do that with the word of God too. Hopefully Brenda can still hear me because the best example that I could think of about this was Alex. I am jealous of that man's brain. His ability to memorize, he had like a baseball statistics book from 2003 and he could tell you Ichiro Suzuki's batting average, slugging percentage, fielding percentage, on-base percentage, all of it. I was, I was always so jealous of that. And then when he fell in love with Jesus, the scriptures that he would memorize at his Teen Challenge graduation, he would stand there. He said, the apostle Paul said, and then quoted half of Philippians chapter four. Verses upon verses of it. Because he used how God created him in his ministry and he put that into practice when he fell in love with Christ. When he fell in love with Jesus, it was all about verses. He was teaching me how to memorize verses, reminding me how important it was to memorize the word of God. That is the example that we should all follow. That was one of my favorite things about him. If we could do that, and listen, I'm still jealous of that brain. I, I don't have that brain. I'm not the memorizer. I'm not the regurgitator. I can't do all the things that he could do, but I can do what God has empowered me to do. That's what's important. And I can study and I can learn and I can understand so that I can effectively share the gospel with who God has called me to share it with. God may have appointed 13 people in my life that I'm supposed to share the gospel with to see salvation, a reality in their life. And I may have told Pastor Tim to preach the 1300. If he reaches 1200 and I reach 13 and my success rate is 100%, that's what I'm supposed to do. His 1,300 or his 1,300? My 13 or my 13? Whatever the number is. We'll never know the number until we get to heaven. The number's not what's important. It's the heart that's important. 
It's our motive. It's our intent. It's what we do with what God has given us. When we do what God has called us to do, when we're ready in season and out of season like Paul told Timothy, when we refuse to let the enemy keep us bound up in fear, we don't have to force it. We don't have to be worried about if it's going to come out right or if we're going to mess something up or we're going to speak something wrong. I bet you thought you were going to get away with it this week, but you're not. When we read our Bible, when we pray, and we walk in the Spirit, all of these things become a reality. That is the key. We've got to fill up with the word of God and the presence of God through the spirit of God so that there's no room left for fear to live. I would love to see Jonathan Creek Christian Church get a hold of this and lose all fear and hesitation and go out and preach the gospel and see this church filled to the brim. But what I'm more concerned about is seeing the kingdom of heaven filled seeing souls saved for the glory of God. And if we as the body of Christ start preaching the truth in love and sharing the gospel everywhere we go, the kingdom of heaven's gonna fill up real fast and our churches won't be far behind it. People can tell if you're recruiting for your church or for the kingdom. A big difference. They can tell if you have a genuine heart for the Lord or if you're trying to, to get your numbers padded up or if you want somebody to sit next to you in church. If you're, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, a, a physical reason and not a spiritual reason, it's going to be obvious. As much as you think that you're hiding it and tricking somebody, you're not. Even if they come once, they're going to figure it out real fast. But when your heart is to see, the, to see the kingdom of God expanded, to see the Lamb's Book of Life, life get more new names written in it every single place that you go, that's what's going to transform lives. That's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to have real, lasting impact in this world. We talk about it all the time. This, I think that's the Chelsea's favorite thing that I've ever said in a message to tell Jake, because Jake, you're supposed to be weird. We talk about it all the time. Who cares what they think? I care what God says. And it's time that we start preaching what God says. Don't let that fear creep in. We need to be like Stephen and Timothy and Paul and Peter, and the list goes on. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, everybody that we read about in Scripture that we look up to, we can do the same things that they did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, same message, different methods, same spirit, the same spirit that Peter walked by and his shadow healed the man, the same spirit that Timothy and Paul went out and preached the gospel with power, the same spirit, the same spirit that Stephen was walking in whenever he was preaching the truth and was killed for it, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us today. It hasn't changed. We may look different, but the spirit hasn't changed. The truth hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed. And the message, the spirit, the truth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that he left glory and came to this earth wrapped in flesh simply to walk to a hill and be brutally killed for our sins and transgressions so that we can spend eternity with him and have access to the Father, that should be all the motivation we need right there to preach the gospel. Don't keep that seed bound up anymore because you're afraid of what might happen when you let it go.
preach the gospel everywhere you go. And preach it how God created you to preach it. Don't try to quote me or Pastor Tim or Pastor Greg or your favorite online method. Don't try to, to try to grab somebody else's method. Do it the way that God created you to do it so it's genuine and effective. Paul didn't tell Timothy, hey, do what I did. He said, fulfill your ministry. Hey, say exactly what I told you in this letter. He said, fulfill your ministry. Paul didn't say, hey, follow me. I've got this all figured out. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's the key. Pastor Greg said it in the first service. Jesus is what it's all about. Sharing him with others. Everybody's talking about it right now. and We're going to be talking about it until he comes back, I'm sure. But if you look around, we know time is short. We know we're running out of it. It's now or never. We've got the, the October 29th, 2023 needs to be the day that the excuse of I'm not good enough, I'm not good at it, I'm not smart enough, I'm not quick enough, I'm not educated enough, all those excuses need to go out the window from now on. We don't need an excuse. We need to go out and say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We need to go out and say, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then whatever he has for you to say to that person. We need to walk in the boldness and the power that he's given us. Speak the truth that we believe. It's so funny, we can justify, we, we hear this message that has impacted and changed our lives in such a way, and we can believe it, and we can depend on God for our eternal resting place. But then we're too afraid or nervous or fearful to share that with somebody else. We can trust him to get us to heaven, but we can't trust him to get us through a conversation. It's time that we start trusting him to do what he put us on this earth to do. If you want to know why you're here, it's to preach the gospel. You are here to be a vessel for the Lord. It can sound scary, but I can promise you one thing, it's way easier. Just letting him do it is way easier. <laughs> it's so much harder when I try to do it myself. Fulfill your ministry and preach the gospel the way that he has designed you to preach it. That's it. So no more, I'm not good at it. Whatever your favorite go-to excuse is, get rid of it. Tell it to leave in the name of Jesus and then walk in the power that he's given us. It's as easy as that. That's all we got to do. Preach the gospel. Father, I thank you so much for your word that's alive and active. God, I ask that even through this last song, God, as we go back and enjoy a meal together, Lord, as we go about our separate ways today, God, I ask that you would grow us, that you would encourage us, that you would lift us up. Jesus, we ask that you would remind us of what you went through on that cross so that we can remember that the things that we go through here on this earth are nothing in, compared to, in comparison to what you did for us. Holy Spirit, guide us and draw us closer to you. Remind us of the power that we've already got as followers of children of God. Help us to walk in it, to preach your gospel 
to see the transformation of lives all around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.